Hi folks, welcome to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. My name's David Brown and today I have been talking to Hannah Moser. Uh, we had a bit of a chat about Brexit. Um, not a debate about whether it's right or wrong, really talking about sort of implications of how it was reported um, and communicated on, on social media and in the news and what effect that had on it. So uh, have a listen, uh, hope you enjoy it and I will catch you briefly at the end. Cheers. Hello. Hi, Dave. Hello, Hi. how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. So this is your first podcast experience? Yes, I've never done a podcast before. <laughs> Well, welcome, welcome to to this episode. Um, so we were messaging the other day. Oh, sorry, he's dropped out a bit there. Now I can hear you. Oh, yeah, yeah. You decided that you wanted to talk about Brexit. Yes, we can talk about Brexit. Although we're not necessarily going to have a large debate about Brexit itself. Yeah. Uh, this is more about well, what happens around these contentious issues with regard to, I don't know, fake news, propaganda, um, the press and and actually people on social media, the sort of yeah. impact that they have on people's thinking. Yeah, well, I, I think Brexit's been an interesting thing. There was a lot of fuss before it happened. We're still here and the world didn't fall apart. I think, like, personally, I must admit, I feel a lot less than I thought I would. Yeah. Um, but maybe it's just because the real issues within Brexit that matter to me haven't been addressed yet. So by issues, I mean things like freedom of movement. Um, and I don't know if that for me means that I haven't really registered. But yeah, that's kind of my stance on it. I thought I'd feel more. Yeah. And I suppose, I mean, it's built up. It was built up to be this this um, this big thing that would just happen all of a sudden and would have a huge impact. It's a bit like um, the millennium, you know, with computer systems crashing and, and all that stuff. Um, but the reality is that nothing changes really yeah anyway um but i i I don't know i mean you know my view is that the the press has a big part to play um certainly newspapers have political allegiances uh it almost becomes more about people arguing with one another yeah well (laughs) i think think, yeah brexit became basically more about a representation of ideas And for me personally, specifically what I've seen on social media, I think a lot of the focus on Brexit and the anger, particularly uh, very pro-Brexit people felt, was due to freedom of movement. Yeah. Which I felt was a shame because what's a border really is an arbitrary line drawn by people hundreds of years ago. And I felt like it was kind of fascinating to watch because people really obviously get a sense of their identity by these borders and what they perceive as other people outside the borders. Um, And I think defining by yourself by a border or by others outside the border is actually quite problematic and destructive. Um, Yeah, and I suppose, you you, you know, you can consider that the the vote went the way it did for very similar reasons or related reasons to the fear of, I don't know, invasion. Other, you know, and yeah, yeah. yeah, So this is this is well, a, a lot of it's fundamentally about people from other countries coming in and. Oh, stealing our jobs. But it, it's mad, you know? isn't it? Because it's essentially, it's a border lottery. You're lucky enough to be born in a country or you're not. And yeah. personally, I don't feel like anyone deserves to be born in a particular country any more than anyone else. And I understand we can't let everyone into the UK logistically. 
but I think everyone has a right to be here and, and kind of I was here I was born here for me it's just it's just kind of an incorrect mentality because if you were born somewhere that didn't give you the opportunities that somewhere like the UK does of, of course you would be you would wish other people would be compassionate to give you those opportunities and I don't really understand how people can't see that if that makes sense well, no and, and look historically we have actively brought people over from other countries in order to help make this country what it is Good, exactly, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's kind of fascinating, really. So a lot of the jobs I personally see that lots of immigrants are doing are ones that particularly UK based people wouldn't want to do. So if you look at somewhere like where my parents live down in Cornwall, and a lot of the farming work done, the manual work is, is done by um, European immigrants yeah. um, and they're worried about who's going to do all that when we leave the EU because they say you know the, the the British people down there simply don't want those jobs no well and I, don't, I think I think that's probably fair to say generally you know across the board you know ideally British people don't want those jobs and people from other countries have come in and filled those jobs and now people are getting all sort of bent out of shape I mean I think there's there is that whole kind of you know the whole nationalistic thing uh but then I suppose that's sort of, you know, to add to that, there's all the business stuff that's going on. There's the, yeah. the fear of the unknown. And, and I, I don't know, I, I, I don't follow it that closely. I'm not, not hugely interested in politics, but I, I don't really remember ever getting any clear idea of what the implications were or might be. Yeah, no, and I, I don't think people knew what the implications are or will be still even though we're doing it but just to, to touch on kind of what we were talking about in terms of media this is going to sound a little bit conspiracy theory which usually I don't <laughs> like <laughs> but I do yeah. feel like things like Brexit are pushed to kind of distract us from other things that matter more that they don't want us to think about yes no, no I, you know you know and I agree. And again I think it sort of goes back to to Margaret Thatcher and the Falklands War yeah um it's it's just what she needed yeah <laughs> And, um, I, and I, think, I think it's a common kind of misconception. The, the media is not objective. No media source is objective, whether it's the BBC or ITV or, or whatever you're watching. It's a complete construct which pushes both a conscious and a subconscious message from those who are in control of the messaging, if yes. that makes sense. So, yeah, I just find it a bit perplexing. Sometimes I'm like, well, why is this push? And, you know, you can, you can take example of, of the virus that's happening at the moment, which obviously is bad. But yep. it's not really much more severe than a bad flu. Yes. And I'm sure there are more important things that could be on the front page of the Daily Mail every day. Yeah. And again, I think, you know, the press, they, they focus on, on numbers, but, but they're not really kind of, I don't know, statistical numbers, if you like. They take isolated, um, you know, isolated numbers that suit their purpose. So the purpose is already there. Yeah. It's almost like the, the story they want to tell is already in place they just need to find ways to to sort of support that and I suppose look we're talking about biases here aren't we yeah um so you know there's the unconscious stuff but then there's there's also just the the, the outright intentional bias um and that that then just leads to to well to to sort of inflaming certain aspects of things so even the Brexit vote itself the fact that it was so close you know, they made such a big deal out of that. Yeah. It adds to the perception that we are a divided nation. Yeah. No, it does. And and that division, I think just the sense that there is a division makes people cling more tightly to their arguments. And yes. actually, you did a, a great post on LinkedIn earlier this week about how we have cling to our opinions so tightly that we can't hear anything else. I thought that was that was really, really interesting. And I think I have to admit to being guilty 
of that at times, which I think everybody is. Yeah, well, look, look, we are, we are. And, and, and I think as long as we can acknowledge that, that we have opinions and we, we will kind of fight, fight to the death to, to protect them in some cases. Um, you know, I mean, some people on that thread, they, they sort of, they, one woman mentioned abortion, for example, you know, and it's like, yeah, she holds that belief and nothing will change her mind. It's murder. And it's like, yeah, okay, fair enough. And I sort of asked her the question, okay, but are you open to, to acknowledge that other people have different beliefs? And it was like, yes, I am, but they're wrong. And that, again, that's fine. And it all got a bit kind of antsy with some other people getting involved because it yeah. turned into a debate about abortion. And then it's like, yeah, we're missing the point here. Yeah, that's this, not this, actually this, the point of the conversation. Yeah. This, this is, and this is a, that's a very good example of what happens. People jump in because they've already got a strong feeling about a particular subject. And then they turn the conversation towards that. And the point of the conversation in the first place is lost. Yeah, no, and, and I think I, actually I was having a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine who's also from an academic background. And even in academia, we're doing this. So really academic yeah. should be about complete freedom of speech. But we were discussing how you can't say that you're not a feminist. You, you can't say you're not a feminist or you can't say that climate change doesn't exist. It's almost this, treated the same way as being a Holocaust denier. And there's no yes. kind of, there's a lack of, um, ability to have open conversation dis- in discussion when things seem to be completely incoherent with our own opinions, and it, you know it, it's it's it means a, a great deal of the debate is lost. I don't know if you heard about the time when um, Jermaine Greer was tra- some universities were trying to ban Jermaine Greer for speaking for some comments that were uh, perceived as transphobic. Now, yep. for the record, I thought those comments were transphobic, but do I think she should have been banned from speaking at a university? Absolutely not. What what kind of precedent does that set? free speech even though i disagree with her opinion she should be allowed to talk yeah but also the 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 decision the judgment is made on her you know she's now sort of pilloried for being whatever people say she is and that stuff sticks and especially because of you know what the the press particularly but actually we've got all this other kind of press going on which is social media yeah um and i suppose my view of that is that wouldn't it be better to try and understand where she was coming from yeah. So, you know, maybe those statements were taken out of context. I don't, I don't know what they were, but maybe they weren't. Maybe they were transphobic, but maybe her intent wasn't to be transphobic. Yeah, <laughs> I don't no, know. I don't you know? think it was her intent. I, and I just think, you know, where, where do we and I think you're right. Social media is really, really bad at this. And actually, interesting enough, I had a conversation with a friend who has some pretty stern opinions on social media. I was talking and he said, it's not real life to me. And I'm like, what, what do you mean it's not real life? And he's like, it's just, it's like playing a game being on social media. And I was like, well, for me, it, it isn't playing a game. No. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's where there's a mismatch. There are people on social media who are really detached from the fact that the person behind the keyboard is an actual person that they're talking to. Yes. Um, uh, and then it spirals out of control because there's kind of a dehumanization on social media, which is supposed to be connecting us. Well, and actually, you know, I, I had an experience where I, I put a post up the other day and someone strongly reacted to it um, and it got into sort of accusations around, you know, abuse and harassment, which, again, you know, the, the, the post the, the post was that and it, and it was a, a very general statement and not a statement of what I believe. But it was around, you know, people post people post screenshots of posts, you know, inappropriate posts. Um, for the attention something like that oh yeah yeah now my belief is that some of them do there is an element of that you know they'll get a sort of a, a weird message from some guy asking them to to marry them and then it's just turned into this 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 huge issue 
Um, but typically what I do when I get into one of those kind of well, arguments, let's say, is I say to them, look, how about we have a chat about this? Um, let's have a phone call. Let's try and sort of understand each other a bit more, find some common ground. Um, and then the guy's accusing me of, you know, trying to take it privately, you know, yeah. trying to take it off the site because I've got something to hide. And it's like, no, it's the opposite of that. Yeah, I might my, my intent there. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, let's calm it down. Let's actually let's actually have a conversation. And I've had a number of these kind of conversations, and then we end up finding that we actually, you know, think largely the same. We might have different approaches to it, and then we get on, and it, it becomes a much better relationship. Um, and, and that was so. You know, I've done a few posts about. You know, is this whole. You, you know, if you hold your 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 opinions too strongly, then it shuts down the conversation. Which has got which has got nothing to do with who's right or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think what you're saying is, you know, I think a lot of the time, even if you have completely different opinions to somebody, if you humanize yourself, if you if that person then acknowledges that you are a human on the side of the keyboard and not just you know some text, often yeah. they will calm down anyway. Even if you do have these wildly different opinions, but I mean, I see it on my posts all the time. Um, I try not to engage personally on my posts when when there's an argument, and I have no problem with people disagreeing on my posts at all. That's kind of what they're designed for. But yeah. what I have is when the posts start going into personal attacks. Yes, and I'm just thinking there has to be a differentiation between arguing ideas and personally attacking people, which I don't think that is that people are very good at on social media at all. No, and I think they they are often. The, the people criticizing others for, for doing certain things, they're the ones that are actually doing it themselves. Yeah, no, I so it's a, it's a deflection away from, from their own behavior. Yeah. Um, and, and I, I just, I don't get it. I mean, I do get it because I know what the world's like, but everything, it's, it's like, I don't know, everything has to be an argument. Everything has to have an outcome where, where someone wins and someone loses rather than let's try and find something we can agree on in this mess and then that's that's the seed that maybe grows some bigger agreement yeah no and i um, I, I i so one thing that i have a lot at the moment in terms of these kinds of discussions is surrounding feminism yep. um, i'm always completely fascinated by it because coming from an academic background feminism has like quite a distinct theoretical meaning which seems yep. completely the opposite to what it means to a lot of people in the general population um, yes. So for me, it's all it is, is you believe in equality, social, political, economic between both genders, yeah. or, you know, all genders now. Um, but for some people, it means something completely else. And I used to, this is something that I've learned in the last few months, just get really, really annoyed at someone using the word in a way that I felt just felt was incorrect. Yes. Um, but actually, why is my version of that word any more correct than their version? Well, and I think that that sort of, well, from in my head at the moment, it leads into things like science. Um, so, you know, my view of that is different words mean different things to different people. Definitely. That, that, that's, 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 that is true. Um, but, you know, people will often use, and I'm sure it would happen in that kind of conversation, people will often go back to the, this is what the dictionary says, so this is right. Um, but actually, the dictionary says that because someone at some point decided that that was that, what that word meant. Yeah. So that and, was someone's opinion yeah, at the and, time. Yeah, and things change. Like, the, the, yes. the cultural lexicon is always evolving in terms of our language and, th and things, you know, like, think about the word cool. You know, yeah. cool now means something is kind of trendy, but before it would have meant cold. Language is always evolving, and I think sometimes there's 
and an ability for people to kind of, especially when it, it's something that's linked to belief, yeah, to see that it might mean something else to to a different person. Um, but yeah, it well, is really interesting. And and look, belief belief trumps everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, I do do recall. I don't know. I'm not sure where I heard this. I'm, I'm in a radio. I might have been on a course or something. But there's a there's a guy in a in a mental institution who believed that he was dead. Um, so the doctor went in there and had a bit of a chat. So yeah, you're dead. He's like, yeah, I am. Um, and he asked him if dead people bleed. And the guy says no. So he gets a pin. He pricks his finger. The guy bleeds. And the guy's response was, oh, they do. Yeah. Um, now I don't know. That just might be something that was made up. But it does demonstrate. The point here that people will just well they they will just block it all out with, with whatever means they can and you know social media it was kind of like you know the guy it, it called called me out because I was now doing something sinister to try and hide something and then he actually disconnected from me you know and then, and then you know I'll probably get blocked eventually um, so people will just shut that down which is their right by the way yeah you know, it's like do I want this person in my life no I don't I mean that's my measure of who I'm connected to, who I'm not. Do I really want this in my life every day? No, I don't. Okay, so I'll disconnect and move away. Um, but then even that then becomes a bone of contention. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. oh, you know, and then people will go off and post, oh, such and such, you know, who didn't like what I had to say, so I blocked him, or he blocked me, blah, blah, blah. But I um, know there's a real witch hunt mentality on So I have not had social media. Obviously, I got LinkedIn for business reasons. And yeah. I really, I don't have Facebook. I don't have anything. And it's no. really been a, a quite an awakening for me, just the kind of way social media works, that there's a real witch hunt mentality on social media. And yes. obviously, I've heard about it. But in the last couple of months on LinkedIn, I've seen it. And I think it's absolute mayhem. I just, people can't let things lie either and I, you know there's all for disagreements and things like that that's completely fine but there's the temptation on social media I think to pick at a scab for too long yes. in a way that you wouldn't if it happened in person to person interaction well and, and and that's why that's why I always try and have a conversation because because you don't get all the other stuff that you get when you're with somebody you yeah know, even on the telephone you get you get tone of voice and all that kind of stuff um which you don't get on social media so a lot of the written word is, is it's misread um equally when someone makes a comment aimed at you you know everyone has a bit of time it might be quite quick but everyone has more time to consider their response yeah that's um, true. before they actually make the response so it's different to having a conversation and yeah. you can't just you can't just kind of put your hands up to someone and say well i'm sorry <laughs> you know that kind of thing yeah, yeah um yeah. so it's very difficult to to diffuse it, it's almost unless you sort of take it to the to the next level, or other people get involved and they have their say, and then whoever feels the most beaten up just just yeah. walks away. No, no, I've had some stats in my post where I'm like, please, like, messaging people privately. Can you just stop the correspondence? You know, the more rational person sometimes, you know, I'll reach out to them. It's not siding with anybody. I'm just 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 leave it. It's not productive. If the conversation isn't productive, it should stop. And I don't know why. In social media, there's not, not that ability to walk away. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't know. And I, I think a lot of people's frustrations in their everyday lives are, are taken out on social media as well. I feel like people are more angry on social media than they are walking down the road. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's less filtered. Yeah. Um, because there's no immediate comeback. Or, the, or they can just walk away. I mean, what, what, when, you've, when you've done that, 
what has what has the response been from those people um so you know i i'm not a confrontational person and i've never said it in a confrontational way and it's normally normally when i'm not involved in the conflict but it's on my post i do that because i just don't like seeing people attacking each other in my comment sections um and they'll say yeah 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 but they don't actually stop so you know they might have been the last person to comment and then i'll comment them like okay if they respond can we just leave leave it alone because this isn't constructive you guys don't agree and they'll say yes 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 okay i'll stop and then the other person will respond and then they'll go and respond back again and i'm just like oh this is not constructive and you've agreed it's not constructive but you have to have the last word yeah, and I, I, again, I think part of the problem is that it's there in public, um, but not like having an argument in public where everyone just walks off and oh yeah, there's like a very voyeuristic thing where people can come and watch and and yeah, it's kind of like watching a train wreck for some people. And I think maybe yeah. there is that awareness that other people might be watching the argument, which means that people want to win the argument more. Yeah, they, they don't want to lose face, and you, and you do get that. I mean, look, you even get people who 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 will who will post pictures of popcorn <laughs> on a thread. When it starts to, yeah. you know, when it's when it starts to kick off, um, and I've I've felt that on on my own post before. You just it's just like bloody hell. This is people. Lots of people seem to be liking this all of a sudden. Yeah, um, yeah. and they're not liking it because because they like the content. They like it because they want to keep an eye on what's happening. It's almost so, like social media has kind of developed its own sense of rules and what's socially accepted and not accepted, and it's kind of a more amplified version of what's happening day to day um and there is like a kind of a gratuitous element to it i think um yeah it's it's back to the playground it's all the kids gathering around to watch a fight it is it is it's 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 really bad and i obviously i'd heard like social media is toxic and to be completely honest with you if if i didn't have linkedin i would delete linkedin there's there's no that i don't feel like other than for business connections things like that linkedin ads it's interesting there's interesting posts but is it really adding value to my life or is it adding stress to my life i would say it's adding mainly stress yeah i think i think for me how how it's become i mean i'm quite surprised at how linkedin has has turned out i mean i've been sort of really active i've been on it for years like 10 Mm. plus um but only really active for well less than a year and i'm i'm sort of surprised at how much it's my experience has changed. I think that's partly because the platform has changed and it's gone this way, but also because I've obviously connected with more people, got a bigger mm-hmm. following. So you, you you do start to see see more of it, and it does make me wonder what you know what's next. You know, it is um, you know, you, you kind of see posts about maybe there should be some entry requirements to be on LinkedIn. There should be some form of you know identification check, whatever it might be. Um, and then you look sort of back at you know Facebook and, and Twitter and things like that, which have just become a bit of a mess, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that is happening. I mean, I did. I, I had a thread the other day, which was just really turned quite quite weird. And someone did message me and, and just sort of, you know, I was just wondering how you, you know, how, how, what you thought about the cesspool that your that your post has turned into. You know, so there, there, there are these little pockets of it. Yeah, um, it, I mean, I don't know exactly. I mean, I don't have experience what LinkedIn is doing to try and LinkedIn specifically is doing to try and combat this, if anything. But it does seem that repeat offenders don't have any repercussions for their actions from from LinkedIn side, um, because sometimes, no. yeah, I, I think you can report. I've never reported anybody. I don't think I'd bother. But I think you know there are people who are quite quite damaging on LinkedIn. I see them popping up all over the place, and I'm surely people have reported them. And maybe LinkedIn just doesn't care, or maybe it's good for LinkedIn in terms of um, you know, because obviously at the moment they're trying to drive engagement up, right? They're, they're basically, they're, I think LinkedIn eventually wants to monetize 
their content in the same way that they and their data. So obviously yes. any engagement is good engagement from LinkedIn's perspective. And unfortunately, my posts that do seem to do the best are the ones with arguments on. Yeah, which is a bit of a, a bit of a shame. I mean, I, I think, you know, what, what, the other way of looking at it, I mean, there are, what, 600 million people on it? Yeah. More there, I think 670 it might be. Um, you know, can you imagine how many reports they get? Yeah, no, it must <laughs> of, be a lot. You know, because especially with the way people are, because they get, you know, overly offended about everything. Yeah. Um, and then just report it. And I have reported things, but they've been a bit, bit more serious than that. And my experience has been actually... I, I don't know if they've dealt with it or not because you never you never know never what's happened. Back. Yeah. Um, and you tend to just get standard responses back. Yeah. So they've got, I, I guess, yeah, they've got protocols in place to deal with it. If we get this, then we then we do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, <laughs> um, so so I've seen sort of people have sort of disappeared off LinkedIn for a while and then they've come back. Um, you know, if you send too many connection requests. You can't send them for a while, and if you keep doing it, I think they, you know, they do that for for even longer. But yeah. this isn't this isn't people dealing with the problems. This is a computer system. Yeah, yeah. Which it, which is you know to be honest with you, if it's if it wants to turn itself into a, a really really big social media platform which can monetize its data like Facebook, it, it needs to get better at doing. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I, I I think in some ways maybe not Twitter, but if you compare it to Facebook, it's it's easier to you know, I think set up fake accounts, for example, because Facebook is, is very personal, isn't it? Yeah. So if you're going to set up a, a Facebook account and you can tell the fake ones a mile off, um, it's quite difficult to, to sort of build a, a body of posting that shows you as a person. Yeah. Or, or the fake person as a person. Whereas on LinkedIn, you, you don't have that, do you? Because no. it's Because it's got this business front on it. Um people's well actually a lot of people's expectations and in fact what they don't want to see is is pictures of what you had for dinner yeah you know and, and your kids playing on swings oh yeah the uh the, this is not facebook comments on LinkedIn. yeah <laughs> and again you know i think it's changed in that respect in that actually maybe maybe the world's changing because because social media makes people generally much more accessible or gives the impression of that you know so the kardashians all that you know all that nonsense um, it's kind of happening. Everyone's doing a bit of the same. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I think you're right. I, I think what re- social media has really done is, is break down the personal boundaries of yeah. what's public and private. Yes, I agree. Um, and I think there's an illusion that there's a lot more private sharing than there is, particularly off celebrities and things, which yeah. is actually quite damaging. And, and even on LinkedIn, I mean, very, very rarely will people actually, actually, to be fair to LinkedIn, there are people who, you know, like I've lost my job and things like that. But mostly you hear success stories. Yeah. And, and, and it's quite damaging for people because it, social media is not reality, reality. It's, it's a constructed reality, whichever way you look at it. Um, so I, I do think that there's, there's, a, there's a problem in terms of people's perception of what is life now because of social media because of the kardashians because of all the images we're seeing every day and everything's so curated even what we put on linkedin um yeah i mean i, I did i saw i don't know it was one of the one of the kardashians or or jenna's um laying on a bed i think with with sort of like 10 pieces of louis vuitton <laughs> luggage around her and all the bags and it's like yeah someone hasn't just walked past and thought oh i better take a picture of that because yeah, no. she generally because she generally lays lays around with all her luggage on the bed 
And I'm sure it's um, the 200th picture they took of her to make sure the angle and the lighting and her body was right. And yeah. Of course. And she got it all for free. Yeah. Plus being paid for it and all that stuff. Um, so I suppose that, you know, are people kind of falling into that trap in terms of the content that they're putting out about themselves? Yeah, I think there is a real temptation to kind of show your best life online. Um, and I, th- I think all of this plays in together. So, you know, what we're talking about the kind of media representations of things, as well as the social media representations of things that we're ourselves perpetuating. What yeah. it does, it kind of makes people feel slightly disillusioned and confused about things and therefore more frustrated and more likely to be angry and get into arguments on things like social media and dehumanize other people because we're so used to consuming other people as almost almost takeaway content like we would a newspaper yeah yeah and i, I think you know the, the, the i suppose it's that whole that whole celebrity thing i mean you know there, there there are a lot more celebrities talking about mental health um and sports people and all that kind of stuff and i think in some ways that's a good thing but in other yeah, ways we have yeah, in other ways i think celebrities are hijacking the subject of mental health um yeah. you know in some ways and i'm not saying they're necessarily actively doing it you know the intention may be great that look the intention may be to sell more of whatever it is they're selling yeah um, i agree because... it, can, it can be problematic because as well as you know a celebrity is a celebrity at the end of the day and okay mental health is mental health and it's a struggle for anybody but as someone who has had mental health issues, I'm sure being a celebrity is a completely different mental health experience to yes. somebody who has to go to work every day, has to pay all their bills and doesn't have the fi- like financial security in a way. And, and, I, and I, I feel like that, again, that sense of it, it, this, this culture of celebrity creates a sense of otherness yeah. because they become other. They're not an everyday person. They're almost put on a pedestal. Oh, they think, become a, they're a product. Yeah, they're a product. They're, they're just something else to consume, which I think kind of, again, blurs the lines between these relationships we have on social media with people almost not being real people. And celebrities get a lot of flack. Sometimes I see in comment sections. And, you know, the Kardashian Jenners, they get awful things said about them. Yes. You know, they're privileged, but they get awful things said about them. And they're still human and they still have to read that and they still have children. And I do think, yeah, I think dehumanisation is a major thing. And I think bringing it back to Brexit, dehumanisation is a major thing. So the kind of celebratory posts on LinkedIn that I saw to do with Brexit, were they necessary? You know, the kind of pro-Brexit people, oh, we've kind of got our own way, ha, ha, ha. And it's like, well, it's just not necessary. And some people do feel, you know, I obviously, I remain, because obviously I care care about freedom of movement, as we've discussed, but I would never have done a post in the manner the other way around. Um, no, it's, it's, it is a strange one. But again, it's that whole, you know, we want to be seen to be winning and we want to celebrate that, you know, the whole bit about, you know, getting Big Ben to chime and the nation paying for it. Um, you know, it's like, why are we even having that conversation? Yeah, no, let's, I don't let's just let's either. just get just this. Move on. You know, yeah. Just get this thing done. Just get it done. Um, you know, I, I suppose I not being sort of particularly interested in politics as such because I just kind of see it as that, that things are just going to happen and and maybe we don't have as much say as we like to to think we do but I do I, f- I feel a little bit kind of a little bit sad about Brexit because you know despite the challenges that it presented being in Europe um it, it did feel like it was bringing us together a bit more yeah I, and I, I feel that too I feel I do feel like the 
European Union has issues, had issues yeah. when, when we were in it. But I do feel like, for me, the positives did outweigh the negatives. I understand why some people wanted to leave the EU fully. I do understand their point of view. But yeah. I just I just wish it wasn't so... It, it Basically, I feel the decision was made because we wanted to divide and not to come together and not to show compassion to other people in many aspects. Um, and I feel like that's what's been sad about it. And that's what's been sad mainly when I've had conversations both online and in person about Brexit. That's what I found kind of the most disheartening about it is is there is that sense of, oh, I win, I win, which I just personally wouldn't feel um, because I feel like either way, a lot of people cared about the issue and lots of people didn't get what they wanted. And even if we'd remained, I still would have had empathy for the people who wanted to leave because they live here too. Yeah, and no, I think that, that that just ties it all together quite nicely if you think about the whole the whole conversation. You know, Brexit, people's decision was based very little on on facts because no one really knows the facts. No one really knows what's going to happen. Yeah. They, they are, you know, a, a lot of the supposed facts presented are, are people's opinions or they're just lies to to make it go one way or the other. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, so, no, I think we've probably come to a, a good place to to stop. Yeah. Um, so, well, again, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you on, very and, much. Uh, and I'm sure I'll see you around on LinkedIn and yeah, maybe we'll, we'll speak do. soon. Talk right. soon, Dave. Bye-bye. Cheers, Hannah. Bye. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Bullshit Detective podcast. My name is David Brown, and thanks once again to Hannah Moser for coming on. Uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon in the next episode. Cheers for now. Bye.